Welcome to the Pete on Software podcast, where we program with passion. This is the podcast that discusses technology, the business side of software, and the tech people that drive our industry. And now, here's your host, Pete Shearer. Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of the Pete on Software podcast. I'm recording this on Sunday, March 9th, 2014. For this week's show, I'm interviewing Dustin Rogers. Dustin is an interactive designer with an extensive knowledge base in branding, strategy, and marketing. He's highly skilled in interactive design and user experience. Right now, he's doing a lot of work in the mobile design space, and personally, I've worked with him on two projects, and he is very, very talented. I think you're really going to like the interview, so here he is. Hi, Dustin. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. No problem at all. Okay, so one of the questions I like to get started out with is, so how did you get started as a designer? Like, why is this what you do as a career? I guess I probably knew what I was going to do with my life. Like in my early teens, I just always kind of got into web design at an early age and really wasn't one of those things I had to think about. I just probably started designing websites for income probably at, at around like 13 for like web posting companies. And ever since, you know, I went to art school knowing that I wanted to be a web designer. Yeah, it just wasn't really anything I had to think about too much. All right. Um, so how do you keep current on design trends? I know, I mean, stuff changes all the time. You know, so how do you make sure that you know what's going on and that, you know, the stuff you design doesn't look like Metro or whatever for <laughs> Windows? Oh, look like AOL from 1995. Of course. So um, I guess the easiest way would just be to stay current with all the software as far as like uh, just downloading apps all the time up updating them all the time, all the social media stuff, just staying current there, you know, all the design blogs, just reading up on everything is everything design doesn't have to be interactive fashion design influences interactive design, you know, um, there's all sorts of different things that influence, you know, modern design that aren't necessarily UX or graphics. So just pretty much just keeping current on all that stuff, pretty much the essential way to stay current. All right. It makes a lot of sense. So what's the difference? Something kind of, it's kind of bugged me for a while. So what's the difference between, you know, someone says they're a UI designer, someone else is a UX designer. You know, isn't, is the interface not the experience? Is it more than that? You know, what's the, so obviously UI, I mean, user, user interface and UX user experience. What's the difference? Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a strange thing. Like, I think it, I, I, and I almost think it's a regional thing. So I think on the West Coast, like UX is big here in Ohio. Like you'll hear like, yeah, like UI or stuff like that. I think it mainly comes down to uh, basically just, you know, it, it, it basically just boils down to the art of it. I think it basically just comes down to just like a, a user, like a interactive designer that really understands the user experience and what it's all about and how somebody would navigate through their software, you know, what they designed. And, you know, I feel like the, the terminology behind it is kind of strange. There's UX specialist and, you know, all these, you know, different like these uh, job positions that are popping up. But I think it really just boils down to just uh, the team understanding UX and how people will navigate through their software to get to a certain point. And that's something that uh, I know uh, you're pretty pretty big on that kind of thing and I know you do a good job at it obviously we've had uh, some interactions together and I know you've designed some stuff that I've worked on and it's good so obviously you know you how you said you keep up with certain trends you know that makes sense you absorb in you know from fashion or whatever else but how do you make sure everything is usable I mean so that you know that aspect you just mentioned how do you make sure the UIs you're designing are something that people are actually going to be able to use 
and they're going to make sense and are going to be intuitive. So basically, I think it all like uh, my biggest mantra when it comes to design and user interfaces, just really keeping it simple, boiling it down to just all the essentials. Nothing's there that doesn't need to be. Is everything clickable? Is it big enough? Uh, you know, is, is it familiar with all the other software that we're using? Basically comparing it to the most popular apps that other people are using. So, for instance, like constantly referring back to Facebook, Google, things like that. You know, the UX that Google uses, if I'm doing something too different from what Google's using, that's something that most of my users are using every day. So if I stray away, if I try to be different, mm -hmm. they're they're not familiar with it. If I'm too similar, then that experience is kind of being diluted by what Google has already done. So you kind of have to find that happy medium in between to uh, kind of achieve the ultimate goal. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, something, something else, a little tangential to what we're talking about, but I also know you're a big fan of infographics uh, and they're really popular right now. You can't go too far without seeing one. Why is this such a popular medium right now for displaying information and making it something that people are able to take a glance at and somehow, you know, c convey the information in a good way? Yeah, I think it, I think it has a lot to do with just like uh, how we sort of retain information from just the Internet in general. I feel like it's been like a few years now. Articles have started to get a lot shorter and people realize that we, we like to absorb information quickly and we like to move on. Just kind of like the, everybody's sort of adopted like a sense of ADD from just being on the internet for so long. People love infographic, and I don't think that's something that's going to change anytime soon. Like when you see infographic on like an article on TechCrunch or you know GigaOM or Technorati, like you're going to click on it because you know you can scroll quickly through something and you can get all the information really quickly and leave with a better understanding of something than you were, you know three minutes before. And I feel like people just love that. They, they love knowing that they could click through and scroll through something and understand something really quickly. And I think that the infographic sort of is it, trending right now, but I think it's something that, you know, it's been incorporated in like a lot of designs just in general, like UX or whatever. People understand it quickly and it, it forces designers to sort of design in a way that people, you know, will get really fast. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. So what kind of skills do you think are really important for a good designer? Not only UX, but, uh, you know, for making infographics or for just any kind of interactive design that exists, what kind of skill, if I'm looking for a designer to hire, what skill set am I really looking for? Sure. So um, I feel like uh, everybody is always after that designer that can do pretty much everything, you know, like uh, type design, you know, like illustration, logo design, like uh, they call that in the industry a unicorn, uh -huh. basically saying like, if you want somebody that can code, that can design, that can do UX, that can do logos, basically you're looking for a unicorn. Mythological like, creature. Yeah. So, but basically, um, I and like many people say, they, those don't exist. Sure, that's what you want. But many people that go to art school, like they specialize in one thing and that's what they're good at. I think that um, what I would look for in a good designer would be just uh, somebody that communicates well, works well with developers, works well with other designers, starts with a pencil, can sketch, can wireframe, uh, has a good sense of color, color theory, can basically think from a, a problem solving perspective, doesn't just think like, oh, I have to make something look pretty, like I actually have to solve a problem. Yeah, basically that sort of thing. You mentioned the pencil thing. 
Uh, and that got me thinking, is that, I imagine that's probably a similar mindset to what developers are trying to do when they're trying to agile and rapid iteration and rapid prototype. I mean, is that, is that the idea is that it's valuable for someone, yeah. for a designer to sit there with a person and they back a napkin or some kind of paper and just say, is, I'm thinking this, scratch, 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 you know, look at this. I'm thinking this, you make some changes quick. Exactly. Literally just thinking from like a zoomed out perspective, thinking, you know, just you're painting a mural on a wall, like just really stepping back and being able to make quick changes to something. I feel like it's something that like a lot of, you know, we become so used to being able to change things so fast on the computer. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like a lot of designers have lost that, you know, what it feels like to sketch an idea on paper and that fluid feeling of, you know, being able to change an idea, tear a sheet of paper off of a, a notepad and start fresh. Like that's something that I think is pretty important. All right. Where do you see the role? So assuming, you know, we have a designer is working you know, as an FTE in an organization, how does a designer fit in there? Like, where should the designer be involved in the process? How should they interact with people? What's that line of communication look like, too? Yeah, so basically, I feel like uh, I feel like the designer should be involved pretty much from the beginning to the end. As far as, like, the overall goal and what the project entails as far as you know where where it goes from beginning to end i feel like i feel like it should be pretty important for the designer and the developer to be there the entire way i think that uh where the designer kind of is involved with the overall consumption the the thinking and you know color palette and the ux and i mean from what i've dealt with professionally that's basically how it's always gone mm-hmm and I, th- I feel like that, pr- I mean, pretty much been the standard from what I've been dealing with. I'm sure you're aware of this age-old fight. It's up there with admins versus programmers and DBAs versus programmers. Maybe there's a common theme there. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, the des- there's the designers versus developers or programmers or whatever. So what are some of the difficulties that designers do have when they're working with developers? So basically, um, one thing I have to remind myself working with developers a lot is that um, you guys really do have, you guys are completely wired different than us. So mm-hmm. all of our lives, we're thinking about, you know, we're daydreaming and looking at, you know, colors and shapes and how they work together. That's what we're passionate about. You guys concern yourselves with how things work. So at the beginning, you guys aren't going to be so much concerned with how wide an image is, you know, the placement of a button. And that's something that, you know, will drive us nuts. That's one thing I always try to remind myself is, listen, they're making something that I'm thinking about work. And that's really, really, really important. And I respect so much of that. So I'm not going to, you know, step in and burden them with my pixel information, because that's something we can deal with at the end. They're thinking, you know, they're putting just as much art and thought into how this is going to work. And that's just as important as, you know, what I'm passionate about. Yeah, I know for me, I know for myself, usually I'm in awe when, you know, designer hands something in and I get to see it and I'm like, wow, that looks really good. It's amazing that I'm going to create something that looks like this. And, you know, it's going to, it's going to be awesome. But usually I know when I get worried is when uh, I see some design and I go, I have no idea how I'm going to implement that. Or that's, sure. you know, that's pushing the bounds of reality. And I think that's, it seems like that's a lot of times what people are worried about. Um, what I found though, and you can tell me if your experience is different, is a lot of times I found that with a decent dialogue, uh, there's a guy I worked with at the, the mobile services company I worked at, and, and he had created a design that had, you know, something that was just kind of really pushing the bounds of what we'd have time to implement. Uh, and so we just let him know, and he came up with an alternative design, or he had something he could kind of just check down to, you know. So it was, you know, that line of communication was was really useful. So is that kind of your experience? That just a good dialogue there, we can 
get some kind of oh. compromise or how does that work for you? I've been in situations where, you know, the developer hasn't been involved from the beginning mm-hmm. and, you know, it would turn into a concept that was kind of farsighted and basically turn into a disaster. Always, you know, needs to be involved at the beginning to say whether or not something is actually realistic because, you know, there's been so many you know, designers aren't thinking about, you know, whether something's technically realistic or, you know, if it's completely, you know, unrealistic. It's, it, it's just something that we don't think about. You know, we're thinking about art, we're thinking about design, we're thinking about user experience. And there's so many times where, you know, the developer needs to step in and say, hey, listen, like, that's not going to work. But hey, listen, you know, here's another idea that might work that's similar to that. You know, and it could be a conversation that kind of leads to, like, you know, a happy medium between the two. I, I think that's really important. All right. So what kind of what kind of situation, if we're trying to build a trap to, you know, to lure in uh, in a great interactive designer, uh, what kind of environment uh, would a company, so if, so if I had a startup or something else and I'm trying to make myself attractive uh, to an interactive designer, what does that situation look like? I know what it looks like for developers, right? It's usually you know, free coffee and, you know, foosball or something, you know, but so what is it for designers? Yeah, just like, um, I feel like every job I've had, it's kind of just like Nerf darts laying around, kind of the the 9 to 9.30 flex arrival sort of deal, you know, not trying to put too much of a, you know, barrier on what time you can show up because maybe that kind of hinders like the, you know, how the creative brain works, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know how I agree with that, but that's something that I've just like, been pretty common. In, in well, you don't know when inspiration is going to strike either. So yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those, and it's just like the, the same concept was like, you know, uh, I feel like developers and designers both like to kind of work at night. You know, we, we have different hours and it's a little bit differently. So if you put too much of a, you know, barrier on when people wake up, when they go to bed, maybe you're kind of, taken away from that a little bit sort of thing. So I can kind of agree with that. Uh, you know, just a lot of whiteboards. I feel like both of us, like developers and designers love whiteboards. Being able to step away, zoom in, sketch something up on a whiteboard, talk about it. You know, if we don't like it, erase it, start start fresh. So it sounds like designers especially definitely benefit from like some kind of a lot of collaborative space like that you're talking about. Some, some areas you might have some kind of comfortable seating around some whiteboards and conversational areas, stuff like that, it's going to really help. Yeah. So just like, yeah, it's just like a lot of whiteboards, a lot of rolling around on chairs, being able to bend over to somebody, talk to them. I feel like that's just so key in what we do. Yeah. Just the collaborate. So uh, something that came up while you're answering that last question to me, how do you get past mental blocks? So, you know, there's not too often where I'm stuck because I don't know what to do next. It's usually, I don't know how to answer a problem and Stack Overflow can tell me how to do that. But, you know, in your case, Stack Overflow is not going to tell you how to, you know, design this button so that it looks attractive in this color scheme. You know, so how do you, is there some something you do to break open a, a creative logjam that might be even applicable to other people, you know, like myself who are trying to be creative in some endeavor, you know? Oh, for sure. I think it's like an equivalent to Stack Overflow um, for designers. But not even, not even just like a process, like maybe when you're, uh, you're kind of jammed up a little bit creatively, you have no muse. You know, maybe you go for a walk or, do you, you know, you do exercise or do you, you know, flip through some magazines or do you bounce a rubber ball off the wall? Like what really gets your brain going to, to get creative? Basically, I mean, as far as, as as far as the way I handle something like that, where like, you know, I have a creative block, I don't know where to go with this style for this app I'm designing. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of 
stuck. I feel like uh, I feel like I really do just kind of you know maybe just flip through my phone a little bit, uh, like you were saying, like anything sort of just natural. Where I'm just like I'm maybe just like going outside, yeah, like for like a walk or like talking to people even helps. You know, when you just kind of break up that you know standard at a screen all day sort of thing but basically as far, as far as like a stack overflow sort of deal just like maybe just like going on dribble mm-hmm. just kind of looking at what other designers are doing especially like when you're working at a company that doesn't have a big design team yeah really kind of that's been my experience for the last you know a few years like i can't go over and walk over to you know another design to talk about stuff so you know the way i interact with other other designers around the world is, you know, I just kind of go and dribble one design blogs and see like what's going on there. And I feel like that just sort of kind of grounds me and just kind of gives me a new perspective on things. And, you know, I can hop back on and maybe take a new direction at something I've been chopping away at. So what medium are you really excited about designing for right now? Like what's, you know, if you got to pick a project you could work on, you know, what would that ideal project look like? And, you know, what would you be designing for with the web, for mobile, for, you know, for what? Yeah. So right now, like, uh, I think, I feel like I'm most excited about mobile because I love, you know, I love how versatile those projects can become. Like I can, I can do something with mobile that interacts with a piece of hardware that is completely new to the world and mobile that, you know, it's just, it's just new. Like it's not new, but it is like, you know, five years ago, people weren't interacting with their screens the way they were, they are now. And Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that's just really exciting and just always challenging me to think in different ways, you know, even with, you know, the iPad. Just how how many different ideas come out since the beginning of the iPad, and that's just really cool for me to be able to come up with new ideas in that that space. All right, uh, tell me a little bit about QuitCharge. What is that? I know it's an application you're involved in. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about it and how they can get it? Oh, no problem. So basically, uh, it's a quit smoking app that I developed with a friend of mine from a company. Uh, that I worked for a few years ago, Jeff Meyer. And um, basically, it's uh, a way to control your cravings every time that uh, a new craving erupts when you're, you're trying to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, when I, every time I was trying to quit and a new craving erupted, you know, a few minutes would go by and I'd be like, oh, okay, you know what, the craving's gone. But, you know, it really didn't feel like that much of an achievement. So the entire time I thought to myself, you know what, why, why isn't there something that exists some sort of interactive program that kind of logs all these cravings and, and makes you feel good about it. when you when you defeat a craving it's actually a big deal it's a big accomplishment mm-hmm. why isn't there something that makes you feel that way so basically what we came up with was an idea that you log into this every time you get a craving you swipe the cigarette in half it breaks in half and you know it records the data it gives you some sort of positive reinforcement maybe it's a quote maybe it's a fact that tells you how much your body's improved since you know, you decided to quit and uh, just basically something to keep you busy when, you know, you're going through withdrawal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the apps in the app store now, uh, it's called Quit Charge and, you know, it's only available for uh, Apple App Store right now. And um, we're about to release the 2.0 version here in April. And you guys are on a couple of social media networks with that app as well, right? Yeah. So you can find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Tumblr, and it's just QuitChart, Q-U-I-T-C-H-A-R-G-E. All right, nice. Well, what about you? Do you have anything uh, anything going on yourself you'd like to plug? Or just, you know, how can people get a hold of you if they want to hire you or they want to, you know, check out your work? Oh, for sure. Yeah, so um, you can look at any of my work, uh, dustinteractive.com, D-U-S-T-I-N, 
T-E-R-A-C-T-I-V-E.com. Uh, and yeah, I'm doing anything mobile right now. would love to talk about anything mobile. If you want to reach me on Twitter, same thing, Dust Interactive. Yeah, just, just loving the interactive design mobile scene right now. All right, that's great. So thanks so much for being on the show. I think this has been great, and I think you've been uh, just a lot of good information about those people over there, the creatives that the developers are scared of so much. (laughs) Oh, for sure, Pete. Love the podcast. Love everything you're doing. All right, thanks a lot. I appreciate the comment. I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks. Thanks again to Dustin Rogers for agreeing to be on the show and for working me into his schedule. I'll have his contact information and website in the show notes in case you missed it. If you need a designer for a project, you definitely will want to give him a call and get him involved. My pick of the week this week is Test Fairy at testfairy.com. Many of you may know what TestFlight is. For those that don't know, TestFlight allows you to publish beta versions of your application without involving Apple. They also have crash reporting and some other features. TestFlight also had an Android version, but with Apple buying TestFlight's parent company, they have announced that they're ending Android support later this month. Understandable, but lame. Enter Test Fairy. We needed a way to easily distribute our Android app to our testers. And the architect and lead at the client site I'm at now, Jeff Donovan, who's at Jeff Donovan on Twitter, found TestFairy. It works like TestFlight, but kind of better. You upload your APK to them, and you set some properties and some testers and configure testers, and it sends out an email that allows the testers to download it. However, it wraps your APK so that it sends back video of each user's session so you can watch them use the app. Alongside the video, you can see CPU and memory usage stats, and it even monitors the logcat output, so you can have a perfect view inside what your testers are seeing. How much is it? Free. Free, free, free. Check it out over at testfairy.com. That's it for this week. You can send me feedback on Twitter over at Pete on Software, on my blog, peteonsoftware.com, or on the show notes for this podcast by clicking the podcast tab on my blog. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. 